a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Just within the last hour, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi put out a press release claiming that we have a framework for a budget in Congress. So is that something to cheer about? Is that Congress actually doing their job? Are we going to keep the government funded? Or are we going to continue to hear today's special sound? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. So here we are once again. Uh, looking at a potential government shutdown, which would be on the 18th of February. Uh, Of course, we predicted back in December that lawmakers would go away and all the urgency from December would be set aside and nothing would happen until we got to about 10 days out from February the 18th, which is where we are. So what does all of this mean? What does it really apply and how do we really move forward next? A An agreement to a framework is is literally the equivalent of a nothing burger in Washington, D.C. It simply means that they sort of agree about sort of the numbers, uh, but this is nothing as to what the process is supposed to look like. So we had the opportunity earlier today to sit down with Haley Bird-Wilt uh, from the Dispatch, who had a, a nice piece uh, talking about one more stopgap measure, what that means uh, and so we, we got into it with Haley in terms of what, what this really means and how long this has been happening uh, in the current administration. This is actually the third time that they are passing a, a stop-the-gap short-term bill to keep the government running since the, this fiscal year started at the beginning of October, which it, obviously I'm sure you're aware has impacts on the Defense Department, which always is up in arms about this kind of thing because they want an increase either to, you know, factor in um, priorities that they have or to help deal with inflation. And, you know, as long as you're doing these sorts of continuing resolutions, the the funding levels remain the same. Um, And so there's sort of this long-running debate over priorities and, and, you know, an equal increase between Defense spending and non-defense spending, which I'm sure you are very familiar with from your time on Capitol Hill. This is a debate that's been around for a long time. You know, this happens almost every every time they're passing one of these big spending packages. You know, they're trying to hammer out the budget numbers. Almost always most Republicans want to see 
a boost in defense spending, and Democrats want a larger hike for non-defense spending. Those priorities are, you know, health care, education, those sorts of things. Is there anyone left on Capitol Hill who is just going to say to their colleagues on both sides, can we can we just do the job <laughs> can we, rather than just putting things on autopilot and we just keep spending at these these levels with no real debate, no no real process? Yeah. Can we can we just take the what the Constitution says? Can we do the 12 appropriations bill and, and pass it? I know it hasn't been done for a long, long time. Both sides have been guilty on this one. Uh, but is there anyone up there that has the appetite to say, come on, people, uh, let's let's at least do our job the way it's outlined? It's very questionable that even if they reach a deal uh, on the top line numbers, it's still going to take a lot of time for some of the procedural stuff that has to happen behind the scenes. Because beyond the top line numbers, they have to agree on the details. Um, They have to help actually hammer out this legislation and how much is going where. Um, And it, as you know, takes time to actually draft the legislation uh, to make sure that there aren't any mistakes, um, just to just get into the details of that. Uh, so people are sort of concerned, you know, not only that negotiations, which have taken a long time, could continue to drag out. With even this March 11th deadline that they're now setting, they're curious if that's actually going to be enough time. Uh, both chambers are set to have recesses in the next couple of weeks, and it might be asking a lot for congressional staff to put this massive package together uh, in just this amount of time. Yeah. And of course, the amazing thing was it was there was such urgency in December for all of this and until they kicked it to February 18th. And then it seems like all work ceased. (laughs) And so now we're starting over. And I'm and I am totally with you on this, Haley, that I don't think I don't think they can get that done in three weeks, uh, either in terms of the detail and the legislative language or just the process. Uh, to get it through both chambers. And so, um, but if we end up with a, a tight window on March 11th, do you see just another couple of week extension or do you think they actually get something that gets to the end of the fiscal year? This is not super atypical of Congress to be struggling with this, you know. But I, I do think the question is how long members are going to put up with not really having much say. I mean, committees, you know, in both chambers, in recent years, at least, I think the House one year had all 12 appropriations bills sent to the Senate and the Senate just did not do anything yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, because all of these discussions happen at the top. Right. It's, it's not, you know, from the bottom up, members are having a say. It's committee chairs. It's, it's the top two uh, members of House appropriations, top two members of Senate appropriations. And then you have, you know, both chambers leadership sort of involved. Um Members don't really get to, like you mentioned, have that process that's sort of laid out uh, for Congress to follow anymore. Most members seem to be fine with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's, but at some point, you you do have to wonder when the rank and file will be more frustrated by it or yeah. um, if they start to demand a more consistent process on this sort of thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you raised that because uh, it was uh, when uh, – Mitch McConnell was the majority leader that the House mm-hmm. had several years in a row where they actually did their job. They actually did all those right. appropriations bills and they, you know, sat on Mitch McConnell's desk uh, for years and, and never moved forward. Uh, but I love this idea you're talking about in terms of, uh, on one hand, I think members sort of like the idea of uh, no accountability that comes with continuing resolutions. It's like, well, you know, our only other choice was to shut down the government. So we just. <laughs> Kept it going. But then there's also this important process piece that you mentioned, Haley, in, in terms of when will members say, hey, this is why I'm here. 
this is the job. And rather than just having, you know, a few people behind closed doors making all of this, uh, I'd actually like to do my job and weigh in for my constituents. Uh, I think there's an appetite. Uh, Are there some windows or some momentum to be had uh, in how we're doing this process? Maybe. And and I mean, but I, I think, you know, there's this trend of leadership sort of giving members what they want or what they think is necessary at any given time. Um, like in this most recent continuing resolution, there's, there's some what, what are called anomalies, which is outside of just continuing the same amount of funding for various programs. There There's funding for, you know, the Defense Department to deal with some, um, I, I believe it was flooding that was happening somewhere. Um, just, just some like more urgent matters uh, that they're able to deal with in something like this. For me, part of the question here in, in terms of the March 11th deadline, and you sort of asked, you know, are they going to do another couple of weeks? Are they going to do a couple of months? Like, like, what does this look like if they can't get a deal? There is this, like, constant mindset in Congress where they, they seem to think they can only do their work when they're running up against the deadline, right. which I think is deeply silly. <laughs> um, and it, it does seem to be, you know, we don't have the motivation to get this done or to reach a deal unless we are facing a deadline. But it's clearly not good legislating. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. I don't know that any of the members uh, want to come back in September in the middle of uh, re-election time uh, to deal with uh, another budget thing. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that all plays out. Uh, Haley Bird-Wilt from The Dispatch, a great piece on there. Really some good nitty-gritties in terms of what this looks like and what it actually means and, and how it impacts all of us uh, in a host of different ways. Haley, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. That's the sound, folks. That's the sound of Congress. Officially, this is their official sounder. This should be their walk-up music. Uh, They are once again kicking the can down the road when it comes to funding the government. They're trying to convince all of us that we only have one choice, to either pass a continuing resolution and keep spending out of control as we have been, or we have to shut the government down. It's a false choice. Both sides are comfortable with it because there's no accountability. And the sound you heard is the can, the finances, being kicked down the road more time. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.